0: I'm Jordana Levine, and you're listening to the Inspired Table podcast. Each week, you'll be led down an inspired path of curiosity as I chat to some of my favorite soul-centered folk about the things that inspire me daily in the hope that some of that juicy inspiration will rub off on you. So pour yourself your favorite cuppa and take a seat at my table. I promise you'll leave happier, healthier, and bursting with inspiration. My purpose is greater than my failings as a human. That's my favourite line from this interview. This was not the conversation I had planned to have with Scott Gooding, but the best ones never are. You may know Scott from his stint on My Kitchen Rules, his extensive library of clean living cookbooks, his Bondi Beach boot camps, or perhaps it's your penchant for tattoo-clad Englishmen. However you've come to know this man, you're sure to find out some new information today. Sure, we talk about the fitness industry, healthy eating, and the importance of being able to cook for yourself. But the gold in this interview lies in Scotty's raw honesty and openness when it comes to his fear of public speaking and how he overcomes it, the pain of losing a parent, how to break through glass ceilings to reach people when you have a message you need to share why he's become a yes man, and his soft spot for Debbie from Dubbo. I hope you enjoy tuning into this conversation as much as we enjoyed having it.
1: I grew up, if you can't tell by my accent, in uh, the UK. So my mum and dad ran pubs in and around London for about 40 years, about 38 years or something. So I was born in London... Uh, I was there for a number of years and then kind of we got further and further away from London but still sort of in and around London and then my mum and dad, uh, the last pub was in Norfolk which is kind of country, like rural, south England and then I moved out here in 99, so coming up for 20 years in Australia.
0: And why Australia?
1: I guess a couple of reasons. The fact that I went travelling was simply... I'd finished uni, I, I actually had no idea what industry I wanted to go in. I'd studied exercise science at uni, but didn't feel like there was... I actually had, didn't know the vocation that I could walk into. Um, I wanted to be a physiotherapist, but that would have meant going, doing another degree, another four years, so that mm-hmm. was kind of... But the idea of studying again after a three-year degree was, was pretty uh, traumatic <laughs> so I just kind of sat with it for a while um, and then the idea of travelling came up uh, and I thought, well, this is a great way to kind of dodge having to make a decision about going into a, a career for the rest of my life. I yeah. think I think at that point in my life, it's, and it's probably the same for most people, that you kind of you feel at the age of 18, 19 and you've had your schooling that you that job that you're going to walk into is will be your identity and will be your career for the next however long. And the reality is that's not the case for most of us. It sure yeah. is for some, but um, so I, I kind of didn't want to make the the wrong decision. So the fact that I could go away and kind of disappear for 12 months on a on a working holiday visa was just like the prime opportunity to to dodge that huge life decision about making a a career choice the reason I came to Australia was it was just pre millennium, is that the right word? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so
0: like the year of 99?
1: It was yes, (laughs) Uh, and I was like I remember reading a magazine the top five places to be for New Year's Eve Ah. I think number one was Rio de Janeiro number two was Sydney and I was like yeah, I could do that. And then there was the Olympics, obviously, in 2000. I'm a ah. huge, huge Olympics fan. So I was like, right, if I can get to Sydney, then I'm ticking off, you know, one of the best places to be in the world for New Year's Eve. And to be in a city, let alone be at the Olympics, was uh, was too um, enticing. Yeah. And then, ironic, ironically enough, it sounds like this is going to be engineered, but it certainly wasn't. Uh, within a few months, about six months of me being here, I met my then-to-be wife and she actually worked for the organising committee for the Olympic Games, SOCOP. So then through her, I was able to get a shitload of uh, tickets. Yeah. Are we allowed to swear on this podcast? We buddy? can do
0: whatever we want on this podcast.
1: Fuck yeah!
0: What was the highlight event for you at the Olympics?
1: As a kid, I used to love track and field, and I used to compete at a, a distance. So to be at a, a track and field event at the Olympics in another country—you know, I'm young. I'm this is all new. I just it just felt amazing. What else did I go to? I went to the gold medal. Men's beach volleyball. So there I am, and that was at Bondi,
0: wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah. pop up
1: stadium on Bondi Beach. It just felt very, very exciting and very surreal. And the whole city. I don't know whether you were around.
0: I was around. Yeah. Yeah. I was in high school, but I was around. (laughs) Yeah,
1: right. (laughs) Yeah, very good. Um, But the whole city was just a buzz. You know? Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it was stuff on a night in plate and circular key. It was just. You know, I'd only been here uh, six or seven months, so I was still finding my feet and I just I was walking around with huge eyes for for months because of that. It was awesome.
0: I mean, Sydney's such a beautiful city anyway, but they really showcased it during the Olympics.
1: It was so good. It mm. was like, you know, whether locals or visitors, just everyone was buzzing, you know. Like everyone's just walking around with a huge smile on their face um, and it's just all been downhill ever since. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I love that. (laughs) Hasn't lived up to the expectations of the Sydney Olympic Games.
1: Can't wait to go home.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 20 years later. No, so you were here on a holiday visa and then what happened?
1: I met Sky six months in and then obviously we became very attached and I got towards the end of my visa. And then I went on a number of sort of tourist visas, which allowed me another three months stay each time. I think I did three of those maybe had to pop over to New Zealand or I think I went over to the Philippines or something and sort of re-entered on a tourist visa and then I think you can only do that for a certain number of times before they sort of raise an eyebrow to immigration. At that point Sky was willing um, to go de facto. We became spouses Was we were together for 10 years and had a little boy Tashi who's now who's now nearly nine but yeah I haven't really been back Since to be honest, Geordie, I'll speak to to my mum. Yeah, yeah, wow. (laughs) Well, when Sky and I first got together, we did a fair amount of traveling, and some of that was popping back to the UK and Europe. Uh, So, I think we did two trips one was for a wedding, and one was just, just part of a bigger travel trip. But that was 2001.
0: Yeah! Wow, that's sixteen years ago. Yeah,
1: if you I mean, need me since, to count
0: it for you. Thank
1: you, thank <laughs> you. Welcome. I came here very, very young. We haven't we haven't said how old I was. When I, <laughs>
0: so at the age of nine, when I arrived for the <laughs> Sydney Olympics.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I just finished my degree,
0: yes, um, I'm, I'm very advanced, very advanced.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, mentor child.
0: You had studied health science, and you had come here not knowing whether or not you wanted to do physiotherapy. How did you? How did you decide that you were going to go down the training route?
1: Um. It's a bit convoluted. I, As I said, I'd, I'd done, um, I think the title of my degree was Recreation Studies and Exercise Science or Sports Science. Okay. And I just didn't, I didn't know what jobs you could get in that, with that degree. Like, I didn't know what doors that opened. Um, and so I kind of just left that where it was. And I, I knew at that point, by the time I got here, I didn't want to do physiotherapy. Uh, I thought about occupational therapy, but nothing really sort of stuck too long and hard uh. and then i guess because of the nature of my my visa i i found it very easy to work in construction some of the time you know uh, you know you didn't you didn't you could work you know i'm trying to say like you can get cash in hand so you can kind of dodge that yeah yeah um i think i'm safe now i'm, I'm a citizen so you can't kick <laughs> me out if,
0: i don't think uh, any police listen to the podcast anyway <laughs> so i think you're yeah. all right
1: <laughs> so it's very easy kind of drift in and out of construction and get cash work and which would allow me to to travel and sort of circumnavigate the the visa issue and then I was working for a construction company you know before I had time to blink I'd been there like three years and I was like fuck this isn't me either like this isn't I don't identify as being in construction. There's nothing, mm. you know, I think we all have plans and visions for ourselves and that wasn't in my eye line. And then I injured my back at work. I, I stuffed a couple of discs and I literally couldn't do...
0: You couldn't do the job anymore.
1: I couldn't do the job. I, yeah. I had a few weeks, maybe a month off, and then I went back on sort of suitable duties, like light duties, and even that was, was too much and it wasn't, sort of, wasn't working for the company either, you know, to have this sort Sort of lame donkey walking around the <laughs> yeah. site so, so then you know part of the um, workers comp scheme which was great actually they they uh, teed me up with a careers guidance person so we sat down had an interview he sort of got out of me what what interests me and what my background was in terms of qualifications and you know he, he could see that I had this sort of honours degree in exercise science and he was like well why aren't you using that? I was like, well, I'd, I actually have no idea what vocation that can lead to. And he said, well, you need to be a PT. Let's have a look at that. And that, the thought of that fucking petrified me. Like,
0: I know the industry shifted a lot, but what was happening back there with PTs? Was it was it a thing? I mean, were there lots of people doing it, it or was it relatively it new? Was a,
1: it was a thing. It was, you know, in an age where the world was in black and white, Geordi, <laughs> But Jordy. Uh, <the, laughs> no, I mean. no, you know what
0: I mean. No, it,
1: it's it's bonkers now. Mm. Uh, but yeah, cut a long story short, I, I had to, because there'd been so much time passed um, since I'd graduated, I had to do my Cert 3 and Cert 4. Okay. Um, I ended up doing a diploma and exercise specialist. And I think I did that because I was so frightened of standing in front of people and telling them what to do that ah. I armed myself with as much knowledge as I could to kind of, I could... Rest on that. Even if I didn't have the, the skills to impart that knowledge, at least I had that knowledge. I I was so I remember having my first, PT session. I had a husband, and wife, and I had a panic attack the night before, oh. which I'd never I'd never had one before, and wow. I wasn't even sort of aware of what what was happening. Yeah, and I remember curling up in my bed, and my my wife at the time, Sky, was just like, "No, this is." I was like, "I can't do it. I can't. I can't physically stand up." in front of two people then on top of that tell them what to do like that was just so alien for me
0: yeah
1: and she was like no this is this is you now like you need to embrace it she gave me sort of a you know she was compassionate and empathetic but she gave me a bit of a kick up the butt so the next morning there I was I'd rehearsed the session a million times in my head and and all the different sort of scenarios and twists and turns that it might take and what if they turn up and you know, the guy's got a ankle injury. These are all the scenarios I can go. You, you know, like, just yeah. build this huge thing in my head Because I, I didn't have any experience to fall back on. Like, I, I was incredibly shy. And I, the thought of, yeah, the thought of standing in front of people and telling them what to do, even even two people, even one person, was That's petrifying. That's crazy.
0: How far you have come, my friend.
1: I know. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Like, if for people who know that side of me, like, I did everything through college and uni to avoid... Presentations and public speaking, and um, so yeah, the first six, probably twelve months, maybe eighteen months, I didn't really enjoy PT because every session was stressful because I was. And
0: was it was it the fear of being on show, as well as the fear of having responsibility for somebody? Like, was it the combination?
1: <laughs> it, I don't know, and I've, I still have this to a degree. It was the fear of being caught out.
0: Yeah. For, oh, for like not, imposter syndrome. What is it? Like like feeling imposter, like an imposter.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I had this back injury that stopped me exercising at the time. So I was like, well, I don't want to be – yeah, I had this – yeah, I've never heard of that syndrome, but it sounds spot oh, on. I,
0: I don't know if it's an official syndrome. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but just,
0: you know, feeling Let's, like an imposter. I mean, I talk to people all the time who feel like this in their jobs, whether they're, yeah. you know, a receptionist or the CEO of a company. They sort of yeah. don't
1: feel like they're qualified enough, you know. Yeah, yeah. With, which is crazy because I, you know, the the course that I did, you know, there was there's people that popped out and trained in a park next to me that I know, you know, capped their qualifications at Cert Four, and mm. I had, you know, I'd been in a exercise physiology lab for three years and and also did a diploma on top of the Cert Four, so I I knew my stuff, but that that wasn't enough yeah just a combination being caught out and i'm not even sure what that looks like yeah and yeah just not having the confidence to tell people but then you know fast forward two three four years like you you know through exposure you gain confidence and uh you know that you start to build up that back catalog of scenarios that when you're presented with something a bit curly you can kind of fall back on that
0: yeah i mean an experience as well like i mean experience is the greatest teacher right
1: yeah totally and the reality is like i don't know how i'm gonna be caught out <laughs> and i and I, yeah. I i don't think i have if, if there's something that i genuinely don't know then i'll say i don't know it like i've never been that person to kind of fudge a response i'll, I'll give as close as i can get and then i'll go I'll, I'll you know i'll find out i'll come back to you on that but I, yeah i've yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know where it's come from.
0: Yeah, it's. I and guess it's more all... the expectation you place on yourself than other people yeah. are placing
1: on you. Yeah, totally.
0: We fast forward then and all of a sudden there must be some stuff in the middle so I'll get you to fill it in, but you're on a TV show in front of millions of people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how does that uh, happen?
1: Yeah, being a PT in and around Bondi for a number of years, at some point, and it's all very organic. I realised that you do have a voice and you do have the ability to shape people's um, health and fitness. But being a PT in Bondi, you kind of there's a ceiling, right? So you can talk to your clients at best. You can talk to your community if you organise an event and get some get some locals in. But that that's as far as you're going to go. Mm. Uh, and and so I was like, well, how how do I get a, a better reach? How do I influence people's lives in Dubbo or you know wherever? Can't mm. even think of another. <laughs> Place named Australia. <laughs> Australia.
0: The country with one town.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but what a great town. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Hub of so, the
1: West. Regional Dubai. Australia. <laughs> um so I actually actually uh, went to a PR company and I was like, right, how do how do I get a bigger reach? How do I get a profile? And so they, they set out about this plan, um, you know, that we're gonna plant try and plant me in the Magazines and get me on the morning show, and I was like, "Well, yeah, this is all very good, but a, I can't afford that because it was, you know, PRs not cheap, and nice. there's actually no guarantees. Like, I'd still pay for, you know, the retainer with with exposure or not. You know, it's n- not their fault that they can't get me on the morning show because you know, nobody yeah. knows, you know what I mean? Like you've got yeah. no, so um, and around that time, Michelle Bridges came out with this 12-week body transformation and I was like, well, this is how you do it. This is how you uh, reach as many people as you can because it's online. You're not face-to-face, you're not meeting them personally. This is how you do it. But again, nobody is going to come to my website, my online platform if I don't have a presence. It can be the best version of that online, but if no one knows about you, you know, you exactly. are kind of p- pissing in the wind. So then, I shared this story with with Luke Hines, uh, and I said, "I want to do this online program, but it's you know, it's there's a lot of moving parts." And he's like, "Well, I'm I'm on board. I'll, I'll come on board and, and do this with you." But again, we were still presented with the same obstacle, and that even though there's two of us, there's two people that people don't know. And then. He came to me, he's like, I've got an idea. I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like let's do my kitchen rolls. I was like, Fuck yeah. What what is it? <laughs> I had no idea. I don't I don't really watch TV. Uh, so for about six weeks he once we got we, we made this really cheesy we thought it was funny at the time, like um, <laughs> it's probably cringeworthy, but we made this video and that kind of secured our place on the show. Like we'd submitted it on the Friday, got in got acknowledged on the Monday.
0: Yeah,
1: wow. And then, and then we were like fuck we better, you know, hone our skills. Um, and I think we had about 6 weeks before we were starting to film and it took about 5 of those for him to get me around his house to watch an episode.
0: That's so funny. Was and it
1: the when f- I,
0: was yeah. it the first season? No. Must
1: must have No, been the first. it was season 4.
0: Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> he got me around his house one one lunchtime and he sat me down and he the motherfucker showed me. He showed me episodes from like really late on in the in the game or the the show. Yeah. So by which time people are pretty accomplished. They're you know they've got reasonable skill. They've been cooking nonstop for six months. So you can and I'm like, dude, like, it didn't it didn't serve me at all to see previous episodes? It yeah. Actually actually lost my mind i was like fuck i can't do this like <laughs> i was so petrified about yeah making an idiot of myself like i wanted this to be a really positive thing i wanted to showcase to australia you can cook healthy food and it can be simple and easy i wanted it to reflect positively on me and my business i wanted this to be uh yeah an all-round positive experience and I was like,
0: either way in reality man. television let's be honest
1: yeah they can portray you in a certain light yeah But then you've got to be – if they portray you to be a dick, then you've got to be a dick for six months.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got to – yeah, you've got to give them something for them to edit you that way.
1: But if you're – if you fly under the radar and you're shy like I was, then you kind of – there's nothing really – I don't think I featured on the whole show for six months. It was great. (laughs) <laughs> no.
0: What are you talking about? You were well, on the you cover of all like... the magazines, all those gossip no. magazines. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, that—that was, that was for scandal. Yeah.
0: Scandalous.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of a one-on-one person, so, you know, I, I try and crack the odd funny, and but it's a, uh, you know, it's kind of at the corner of my mouth and into someone's ear. I just never to camera or. Um, so I, yeah, I, I literally flew under the radar. I think, or maybe we both did. You know, there was other colourful <laughs> uh,
0: characters, <laughs> characters
1: that kind of you know carried that torch, and and we were we pretty much like just sort of circumnavigated and popped out the other side relatively yeah re- well completely unscathed. Like to be honest, it's it was such a it was really hard work and it was really really stressful. But we popped out the other side. With doing what we set out to achieve, which was to, sh- to showcase Australia that mm. you can cook healthy food and it can be delicious.
0: What was your uh, What was your relationship like with cooking before the show?
1: As I mentioned right at the start, so I I, uh, I grew up in pubs until I left Australia. At, you know, a few years here and there at, at uni, but and so I've always been around food. I've always been around real food, which is you know a privilege, mm. uh, and. Probably going to show my age now, but it was a time when hubs weren't open twenty four hours. They used to close between three and six. So when I got home from school, my my dad would be in bed. My mum would be asleep on the lounge, kind of recharging for the after the um, lunch session, getting getting recharged for the evening session. So I would have to make my own tea, and then by the time dinner was. Um, it was dinner time like the, the kitchen was cranking they were like really food orientated pubs so the kitchens were cranking so I kind of had two choices I could either write my um my, my order in the in the book with everyone else and wait but you know I was pretty impatient so I used to just jump in the kitchen and make some of myself so I've always cooked yeah I've always cooked food and experimented and my dad was a big big foodie like they, their pubs were kind of in a in an era we're talking like from mid eight, uh, mid seventies, eighties, nineties, pubs were real drinking um, mm. places. You know, people would just go and drink pints of bitter and warm beer and Guinness. They you didn't go there like you do now. For a you pub didn't go meal, there for for a meal, yeah. But mm. my mum and my my dad was the driving force. So he used to create the the daily specials, the menu.
0: Yeah.
1: So he was the he was. The, he had the easy parts. So he was the c- creative, but my mum had the hard, harder task of actually putting it all together and making it work.
0: Was she? Was she in the kitchen cooking?
1: She was. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So my dad. You know, my memories of my dad was sort of sitting and you know when he wasn't working, sitting in the armchair, flicking through cookbooks, and uh, so he had a real. And I can see now my. Preference the, the foods and the flavors that excite me are indicative and reflective of my upbringing. So I grew up with his inspiration around um, around dishes that had kidney and liver and mm. um, heart and oxtail.
0: That's so British of you,
1: it's it is very, very <laughs> British. But it, but it's funny like, I the last e book that I did, I, I did it. Um, solo so I didn't have a co-author in, in loop and so there wasn't any real agenda and I didn't have to stick to a plan I could do what, whatever I wanted to do and by yeah. the time I'd written the recipes I was like this are all these are all throwbacks to to my my childhood you know like liver and onion and osabuco and all these fatty you know organ uh, organ meat off offal that sort of thing it's all what I grew up with and it's and it and it sort of comes full circuit. It's like, well, you know, you know, that's why I love the flavours that I love now. Yeah. Because it reminds me of, of growing up.
0: Of home. So tell yeah. me then, because my mum's mom, my Australian, but her parents were English and she spent a lot of time in England growing up. And so she used to force feed me kidneys and uh, she'd cook them in butter and garlic and she thought they tasted amazing. And <laughs> I thought they tasted like powdery organs. So how do you make kidneys (laughs) taste good?
1: (laughs) I reckon it's all about proportions. So, you know, things like liver and kidneys certainly do have a distinct taste and they certainly have a distinct texture, Mm. which isn't everyone's cup of tea, but...
0: I think it's the texture
1: that gets me. Yeah, kidney definitely has a, almost like a chalky... Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My my mum's like, the signature dish of my of my mum and dad's pub was a steak and kidney pie.
0: Yeah, nice.
1: So used to, she used to make it twice a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday. And no no joke, people would just be queuing up on those days to get fresh steak and kidney pie. So there'd be cars parking in the car park before it even opened. It was, you know, it was the same recipe, you know, for... You know, forty years. Yeah. People just.
0: Yeah, yum. Are your parents? Are your parents alive? Are they still with us?
1: No. Um. My mum is. My my dad's passed away. He passed away ten years ago.
0: And the pubs? The pubs are no longer.
1: No, my my folks retired. Um. Oh, probably. Well, my, yeah. My dad had six months or five months of retirement, and then he passed. It was you know something they'd been talking about for such a long time. Mm working hard they worked hard all their life they lived together worked together which yeah. is
0: oh, hard.
1: amazing in itself yes <laughs> and so the last sort of you know countdown from a from 10 years out about this you know plans to retire and then it finally came and they they sold the pub and bought a house just on the same street ironically enough um and then yeah, they they planned their first holiday. Dad got back from the first holiday that they had, and mm. just went, "Fuck, I don't I don't feel that great." And then it was a, a series of of different diagnoses, from spleen to liver to kidney, and then then by the time they got the correct diagnosis, he had he lasted another three weeks, I think.
0: Oh my goodness! So,
1: yeah. Um, and he she died like my mum I had the call which nobody nobody wants to get when they're sort of as far away as, as I am right?
0: yeah
1: yeah mum's like you need to you need to get here you need to come home sure. and it was weird like I, I sat next to this guy I know we're going off topic a bit no no um, and I sat next to this guy oh, I'm going to get emotional now but I sat next to this guy who had flown from London to Sydney to see his dying
0: father oh my goodness father.
1: Um, and he was saying that you know he, when he landed, you know it was still another four-hour drive to to see his father. And by the time he got there, he died. He oh. actually died on on the flight on the way over. I thought, like, "Oh, mate, that's terrible." And I explained my situation. And we we left the plane together, and we. We collected our baggage and we parted company at arrivals, as the you know the sliding doors through arrivals yeah. parted. He turned to me and he said, oh, "I hope you have better news than I did." And at that point, I looked up and I see my mum and my sister, and I was supposed to catch a taxi to the hospital. So as soon as I saw them, I was like,
0: "Fuck!" Oh, fuck.
1: Um, so yeah, dev- devastated, obviously. Um, and, you know, I still think about him. I still have this odd urge to – well, it's not odd, but I still have this urge to – I mean, it's odd that it's – I still have it to call him, yeah. you know. And, and it only lasts like a split second, but it's still, it's still evident. It's still like so. – Yeah, I,
0: I, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Did um, Tashi ever meet him?
1: No, that was – that's that the other
0: before.
1: heartbreaking thing. So soon after he passed – we felt pregnant and so it was this mixed sort of emotion of there's one person on this planet i want to share this news with and he's not here um and then obviously when he when he popped out in in the hospital you know that was you know i cried with joy but i also cried that he he wasn't here to meet him and i'm gutted for dashi like that he'll never
0: that he'll never know him no yeah you have to share all the stories with him though
1: yeah, yeah. No, he gets a few.
0: Do you do you notice traits of your father in Tashi?
1: <laughs> um, I guess he's starting to get pretty funny. My dad was quite a funny guy, and I love that. Like he's starting to not take himself too seriously, yeah. which is had, had always been like he's always had like been touched with the the funny stick, I guess. But <laughs> when when you laugh sometimes if he does something silly if you, in the past if you laugh then he gets he gets upset because if you feel like he's laughing he feels like you're laughing at him
0: at him yeah
1: but now he's got to the age which is amazing that he laughs harder than you or just as hard as you when the jokes on him can laugh you know at himself, yeah yeah no it's a, it's a really important sort of developmental stage
0: yeah it is definitely i hadn't really thought of that before
1: yeah. So he's actually a bit of a he's a bit of a clown, which is which is always good good fun to be around.
0: So My Kitchen Rules. You guys went on there because you wanted to raise your profile in order to do some online programs. Like, how did that roll out after the show ended?
1: (laughs) Well, I'm still to get mine up, Jordy. I was going Um, to say,
0: what program was this, Scott Gooding? (laughs) You did a bunch of other stuff. So, I mean, your profile was raised. Yeah, 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 it
1: was, uh, yeah, no question. Um, So, I guess having, again, never seeing the show, never really speaking to someone who uh, was an avid viewer, like I had no idea how this show got under people's skin like millions of people watch it, so you go from nobody knowing you to walking around Westfield and everyone like, you know, nodding and, Uh (laughs) you know, wanting to meet you and so it's, it's kind of a bit Bit crazy, and nobody really prepares you for that, or, yeah, or do, mentions it. Do they have?
0: Do they have psychologists on the show? No. Mm, interesting.
1: I'm, I'm sure if you if you if you ask for help, but but by that time you're already out, like you've already left. Mm. But I'm sure I'm sure Seven would facilitate something if if you express that.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Uh, it's probably changed now because I think as reality TV shows get more and more prominent and there seems to be a lot more sort of fame attached to it. I mean, you guys definitely had it back then, but these days it's crazy.
1: When we were on, we weren't allowed social media... And social media wasn't um, as big as it is now. Yeah. But now they see that there is value in the contestants having social media because then, you know, promotes one the feeds show. the other. Like, it yeah. promotes the show, yeah. But they were very closed on 2013 or 2012, we did most of the filming um, because they didn't want any information or backstories to get leaked. Yeah. So that so they just had, like, this blanket ban, which was, a, you know we uh i guess we would have all been respectful of the the rules and regulations but it would have been it would have helped our business i'm sure we'd had a bit of a, a jump start but look it, it's been amazing geordie like there hasn't been one one negative you know We've, it's been four years i don't know. yeah four years and like i actually spoke to the producer the other day the executive producer and i before before he get into conversation, I spent five minutes just telling him how grateful I was
0: mm.
1: of the experience and the opportunity, and my career. My career has gone in a, a different direction, but all for the better. Yeah. But also, I'm not that person that I was on the show or before. If you remember, I was saying that I used to be really shy and there's still an element of that in me, but now I'm doing things that I would have never, ever thought that I would be doing, like standing up on stage or on a cooking demonstration yeah. or, you know, going on a TV show, anything like that. Like, I'm very grateful for the opportunities professionally, but also from a personal development perspective. Like, I'm I'm a better person uh, now than I was before I think
0: I mean it will it obviously really pushed you outside of your comfort zone
1: yeah and, and now I look for that like yeah. I look for that's awesome I, I just say yes now so I, when I came off the show all these things pop up and um, you know some are, some are really cool some you know don't really set your world on fire but I was just like I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna this period I'm just gonna say yes to each and everything and uh, it meant that I was incredibly busy at that point yeah I was going to say
0: (laughs) just do a bit of time management with that strategy
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well you know that's yeah I probably lack a bit of that
0: is there any kind of offers that have come to you or came to you straight after the show that you were just like hell no
1: (laughs) hell no yeah Um, no not that I can remember Um, I pretty much said yes to most things oh that's good and that's kind of been my philosophy ever since so there's a great quote by Branson, uh, and I'll probably butcher it, but it goes along the lines of if you get if you get asked to do something, you know, if you get this amazing uh offer and you don't know how to do it, just say yes and work out how to do it. Yeah. And that's kind of that's kind of been my philosophy. So, you know, I I let's say for example, you know, I get offered to speak at, at some event and there's gonna be five hundred people there. Like sure, that wrecks. You know, I have nerves attached to that. But before I second guess myself, I'll just say yes, love to. You know, lock it in the diary, and then I'll worry about.
0: And then you'll have the panic I'll attack worry about in
1: your it. private. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll turn yeah. up into a ball five minutes after. But to me, it's about the my purpose is greater than my um, failings as a as a human. If that yeah, makes sense. And so my purpose absolutely. is. To communicate a healthy message as far as far and as wide as I can. Yeah, beautiful. And so, don't let shyness or inability to speak in front of a group stop that. So, yeah, saying yes to everything kind of forces your hand, kind of forces you out of your comfort zone. Um, but you know, it hasn't. It hasn't. It's just served me well.
0: Yeah. And I think
1: on, on, on all aspects, all I facets of my life. I think the more you yeah. do
0: it as well, you know, like I, I think there'd be so many people listening who are like, oh, I, I just, you know, that's, that's, you know, I know Scotty kind of broke through his fear, but, you know, he must just be better at it than I am. But I think the more that you can say yes and step outside your comfort zone and face your fear, I mean, it does get easier every time it gets that little bit easier
1: because yeah, you have the
0: experience to draw on, right?
1: Yeah. Like it, yeah, it goes. It echoes the the PT thing, you know. Like I shit my pants the first mm. the night before my my first session, but then fast forward a few years and I don't even think about the sessions anymore. Just do it. I haven't got to that point yet. Um, in terms of public speaking, I still I still have nerves. I think the nerves I, are
0: good though.
1: Yeah, I, I'm at that point. I'm at yeah. that point where the nerves. Uh, I I don't actually. I would worry if I got to a point where
0: totally.
1: That I didn't prepare. Like the, the this is you know echoes to what I was detailing earlier. That it's the fear of being caught out. Mm. So the last thing you want to do from a confidence perspective or professionally is be in front of people and be caught out. Like not be prepared. And so I prepare like a motherfucker. So if I <laughs> if I've got a gig, you know, coming up, you know, I'll slowly start chipping away at the content. You know, how does it look? And then I will literally – I know exactly what I'm going to say. However big or small the event, I know exactly what I'm going to say for the first – at least the first couple of minutes. So I need to get that intro down pat and I normally – there's another – there's a few little ways I ingratiate myself. I normally crack it funny and I kind of – I engage the the crowd. I try and have a conversation right from the get-go to kind of – familiarize myself with them and, and vice versa. And then so once I've got that first couple of minutes down pat and it's rehearsed, like it's it's verbatim. I know exactly what I'm gonna say. And then from there on in, if that goes well, then I kind of loosen and I can be a bit more at ease with the with the whole thing. But it, it, it really is it is exposure. Like I'm still far from being polished but I'm not crippled by, yeah. by fear anymore. So I, I had this thing, and people might, your listeners might uh, recognize this condition. Um, and if you do, there's certainly, it's certainly, you know, take, take comfort in the fact that it's common, but and there's remedies to, to fix it. But I had this thing called splitting. So we have this, uh, you're familiar with fight and flight or freeze yeah. um, as, a, as a response or a trigger to stress. So I used to have this thing and i I found it in my uh relationship with Skye like she was very you know all couples quarrel and so whenever I was confronted with a situation that I found stressful I would just i couldn't i couldn't flight I couldn't leave but my mind would split uh, split so what? you I haven't physically left the building, but my mind is split. My mind has left. And so you're left there going, um, I've no idea what we're talking about. I've no idea what you've just said, and now I'm, you're waiting on my response, and I have fucking no idea what we're talking about. It's frightening. It took me a number of years to share that with Sky and saying, this is what's happened for me, because you'd be like, are you not going to say anything? I'm like, uh, uh. <laughs> I don't
0: remember what happened. Um, yeah, I don't know, your, I don't know what we're talking what, about. Was that a, con- like, is that a conscious splitting or that's your subconscious? No, it's
1: it, yeah, so it's uh, in response to stress.
0: Wow.
1: So it's like, yeah, they, they say that there's fight fight or flight or freeze. And so you're actually, you're actually frozen, but your mind has uh, taken flight.
0: Wow.
1: As uh, a direct res- result of, of stress. So that was within me and that's happened a number of times when I first came off the show. All of a sudden you're getting speaking gigs, corporate, um, charity stuff and at that time if you, I was just saying yes to everything and then going, fuck, I've got to speak to 50, 100 people next thursday and so i'd prep 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 and back then i'd not only rehearse the intro which is what i still do now i'd rehearse the whole speech which is great if you can nail it but if you can't nail it or you get off track ever so slightly
0: oh it's so hard to get back when you're trying to remember a whole thing
1: uh, yeah it might be like a half an hour talk yeah so then at some point you divert off track for whatever reason and then Stress kicks in. You're like, oh, fuck! What was I saying? What was I saying?" At that point, you split. Oh. so so then you go, "I have no idea what I've been talking about. Could be tractors. It could be farming. It could be <laughs> ex- space exploration. I have fucking no idea." So yeah, then, wow, you're, you're, there's like all these eyes looking at you. It's the most frightening thing.
0: Yeah, I can imagine.
1: <laughs> so. I was like, okay, well this is what I this is what I wanna actually do. I I, I know my purpose now. I wanna I will, if this is part of it, it's I have to accept that. So how do I overcome this splitting? So then I, I had coaching, I had kinesiology, had all these sort of different disciplines of, of um, therapy and I'm sure some of it worked, but I think overall it was more and more exposure. Kind of, so now I can still get off track, but I don't have a huge stress. And so the subsequent splitting, I just literally go off. I'll talk to the audience, say, Oh, sorry, guys, where, where was I again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's someone, someone because I'm shaming? more comfortable in yeah. that at that point, at that um, junction. I don't go, Oh, God, I'm, I'm more at ease. So, yeah, it happens with you know. If people are doing exams, I've, I've heard of, of people that just, you know, they've revised, 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 they know the shit, and then they get to sit down at the exam, and they're like, I actually can't remember anything.
0: Yeah, I think that's me. I'm terrible yeah. at exams. Yeah. Yeah. Is Which is an odd way to,
1: yeah it's Which is an odd way to get through that early schooling that everything's, you know, some people, exams are like just remembering shit, right?
0: Well, yeah, pretty much.
1: Um, I'm not sure what the alternative is, but there's people that don't deal with stress very well, but could be an absolute gun. And so their, their stress response inhibits their, Performance. their result and their success. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's why, well, we could, it's a whole other podcast, but that's why the school system should be set up differently because not everybody performs well under pressure. And that's no. just life. And unfortunately, if you don't, then you, you're not really going to succeed in that environment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, what, what, when you are doing public speaking gigs now, what are you chatting to people about? What's your jam?
1: Uh, space exploration. <laughs>
0: space <laughs> exploration. No. What? What um, are you talking to people about?
1: I have an overarching theme, uh, and it took me a while to kind of work out what that is. And so, I have a very privileged position to to have a reasonably large audience. Yes. So. With that, obviously, comes a duty of care, but my overarching message is to simply encourage people to cook more at home. I believe if they're cooking more at home, they're using real food, and more importantly, they're not using processed, refined, inflammatory foods. Um, so that's... because I, I, And I, I'm not talking to you, Geordie, and I'm not talking to the people in our sort of local bubble. I'm talking to, you know, people in perhaps regional Australia that arguably need more information and hand holding because, you know, we, we have, yeah we live, we live in a, a an odd bubble in, in, around Bondi. So oh yes. I,
0: it's not real I, life. I, no.
1: No. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that's my overarching message. And it, and when I, when I think about who I'm tailoring it to, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, the mother of two who maybe stays at home and is sort of peering in over the fence wants to make some healthy, positive changes. Doesn't necessarily go to the gym, but wants to wants to get a little bit fitter. But has no sort of history or background or knowledge base around about around either healthy eating or fitness. So I think about her, and I'm like, okay, well, how do we make it as simple, um, fuss-free, affordable as we can? Mm. And so we do. So, so I've got a, a website. I've got a um, a couple and, and all the recipes that. I post and choose to go on those websites have to tick certain criteria in that they're obviously healthy, affordable, simple and delicious. And so you, for me it's about holding that mother of two's hand walking through the minefield of all the information out there because there's like I think about her typing in healthy diet or best way to train to get fit. And fuck there would be so much information out there some good some bad yeah but how do you know what's good how do you know what's bad if you've got no uh, reference point yeah and i'm not saying that my way is the best way uh or my way or the highway it's about i'm this is my message and chances are it's gonna align with some other people in my industry so if you start hearing the same thing chances are it's a pretty strong message so I want to open the door for people I want to uh, make it as easy as possible to kind of get them cooking real food at home and and then if you want to dig a little bit deeper I guess I do My, me- <laughs> I do. <laughs> the message below that follows a certain macro protocol so I sort of propagate and, and push a higher fat uh, low carb message okay uh, but you wouldn't. So the mother of two that I, that I designed the recipes for to encourage them to cook at home wouldn't necessarily know that. I don't. I don't talk about. So we're talking about my website, in Project, or even the socials that are attached to that. I I don't really talk about why this dish is healthy. You know, because it's got these vitamins and these minerals and it's got these fats and. I just want to inspire that person to yeah. give that dish a crack.
0: When you ho- when you have a website or a social account like that and people begin to rely on the the product that you uh-huh. give them, yeah. it's just nice for them to know that they can trust that it's going to be fo- following a certain healthy protocol without yeah. you having to actually tell them every time.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I think so much on the show, on... on Luke, Luke and I did My Kitchen Rules, and then we did another show, um, what was that called, Live Live Well. Ah. And then all the books after, and it was all... All of the know, books. There are the so books. many of
0: them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like Ina e- Blyton. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was all this attachment to, right, let's make a, a yummy dish. Why is it yummy? So yeah. then you had to justify or explain why, you know, it's got... <laughs> you know, these minerals and these these nutrients and, you know, blah 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 blah. That's fucking boring. Like nobody wants to it's more inspirational to share a recipe that looks amazing. Uh, chances are it tastes amazing. So my approach has been when I first came off the show I used to talk about paleo and you can't talk about paleo without sort of demonizing certain food groups. Mm. But I found that that is quite polarizing and it's quite confrontational and confronting for people because we live in this sort of carbohydrate landscape and all of a sudden you're saying, right, you need to eliminate, avoid pasta and bread and grains and legumes and blah, blah, blah. And people either go jump in with both feet, but for most people, and I'm t- my reference point is that mother of two in, in let's say, Dubbo, De- <laughs> the Debbie from Dubbo, <laughs> <The> one <laughs> town I know, <laughs> yes, yeah. she, she's a reference point. So let's say, for example, when Debbie goes to the food court, the service station, um, she's surrounded by carbohydrates and, mm. and, and processed foods. So or even just the general
0: th- store in Dubbo. I mean, let's be honest. You know, not yeah. everybody's living next to about life or such
1: health food stores. Yeah. yeah. So, my rather than talking about all the foods that she needs to minimise and avoid, like the plague, let's talk about all the other foods on the other side of the seesaw. That um, let's celebrate those foods because mm. there's a shitload of foods over here. Is there's an abundance of foods over here. And I tell you what, if you make these shiny and enticing and sexy and delicious, maybe Debbie will start, you know. <laughs> maybe
0: Debbie will move to Dallas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe she will, a little minx um, <laughs>
0: Sorry, I couldn't help um, that. I couldn't help it.
1: Yeah, no, that's that was great. Good. <laughs> Let's finish there. Um, and we're Yeah, done. but my, Maybe there's ingredients or foods that maybe Debbie's never uh, entertained before. But if you make it sexy and delicious enough, then you don't. Over time, you don't have to talk about a the health benefits of what you're going to eat, but also the the foods that you should avoid. But let's let's just let's just wave. You know, let's just celebrate the foods over here that you can.
0: That yeah, I let's believe are nourishing for us. Let, yeah. yeah.
1: Let's not talk about the
0: deprivation.
1: Correct. Because then it, it becomes alarming for people. Like, fuck, I can't give up this, that and the other. But slowly over time, if you start to to incorporate ingredients, certain ingredients and in certain foods, um that that that's the way I see it anyway. I think I think um I guess there's, there's lots of different ways to to skin a cat.
0: You know, there's lots of different people as well and everyone's going to respond differently. So, you know, th- there's enough out there for everybody to kind of sort through and decide what works for them.
1: really. Yeah. So we're all individuals. Yeah. But it, com- it comes down to, to knowledge. And all the talks that I do, I always sort of, there's a caveat in that this is just my philosophy, this is my mm-hmm. opinion, and it's forged from years of being in the industry but it's also influenced by certain books, um, podcasts podcasts is an amazing current source of information Mm. and so you know, I I recommend plugging into a number of different podcasts, you know, arming yourself with some, some good books because it's only then that you have this sort of background knowledge that you can make informed choices for yourself, otherwise you're kind of you're operating on hearsay, and you can't walk down your supermarket aisle knowing wholeheartedly what's good or bad for you. But once you once you arm yourself with enough knowledge, I and mean, there's some great podcasts out there, some phenomenal podcasts on on nutrition and and biohacks, and you know, I, I strongly recommend. Like, and good on you, Geordie, for for um, you know being in that community. Like, it's it's a really, as I say, current way to disseminate information
0: yeah and it's a really yeah. it's a really um easy way for people to absorb information as well
1: yeah um, yeah it's, what, um, what are some yeah. of
0: your what are some of your favorite podcasts
1: um there's a guy called joe rogan
0: yeah
1: he's very popular there's a guy called tim ferris
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh Rhonda patrick is is well worth a listen she's an absolute Rhonda
0: patrick all right
1: brain she's one of those people that so she sits in sort of nutrition and you have, to, you have to plug in. You have to sit back and listen or play a number of times.
0: Yeah. Do you ever listen to uh, The Good Life Project with Jonathan Fields? No, I don't. That's good. That's good for good life stories.
1: There's a, there's another duo called Under the Bar. So they're, they're oh, yeah. a couple of Aussie trainers who are very sort of well, uh, yeah, very knowledgeable okay. in in performance and lifting and nutrition um but yeah just like the 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 guests that joe has or tim tim ferris has Mm. are just they're worth listening to there's a guy called um fuck no i can't remember anyone's name today Um,
0: we can put the we'll put the links in the show notes uh
1: dom agostino oh yeah He kind of
0: oh yeah i've listened to that one
1: yeah, right, on, on Tim Ferriss. Yeah. Yeah, he's. I think he's been on Joe Rogan as well. So he's very, um, he's like the world's leading researcher in ketosis. and mm. Yeah, just well worth a listen. Just smart people in their arena. Um, and you start to hear the same thing, or well, once you start to hear the same thing pop up.
0: You're like, oh, uh, these and, people are onto something.
1: Yeah, because yeah. these people have credibility and um you know, a lot of them have lots of important uh, letters after their name. It's not just hearsay. It's, it comes from research. Yeah. It comes from... And also um, to have
0: access to these people too because, like you said, they are top of their game. Yeah. And, you know, like it's, it's a very rare experience to be able to see these people speak live or, you know, have access to their workshops or seminars. So, I mean, podcasts are such a great way to have access to the information that usually would be really hard to get a hold of.
1: I know, and, and I'm learning that these people are very, um, are very normal, in, if, if that makes sense. Like, and accessible. So, yeah. they, you know, you listen to a podcast, which is great. But, for example, my flatmate is a um, dietitian, and she works with eating disorders. And she reached out to Don Agostino and wanted some suggestions on this, that, and the other. Uh, and then they've had this like email yeah, exchange, wow. and I'm like, fucking hell. Yeah, right. That's amazing. You yeah. know, Skype, Skype calls and um. That's, so, yeah.
0: That's yeah, it's someone who wants to be of service, which is really yeah. beautiful, especially in this yeah. industry, which I actually yeah. do want to talk about, Scotty, because you have been in the industry for a while and that's not saying anything about your age. That's saying about your experience. No, thank you for
1: not bringing that up.
0: <laughs> but you must have seen we, – we touched on it earlier, but you must have seen a shift – in the fitness and and food industry what i mean what what shifts have you noticed in the in the past let's say 15 years
1: i guess the real noticeable change is literally in the park so back in whenever it was when i first started there were a few other PTs and there weren't any boot camps, mm. there weren't any, there were a few yoga studios, CrossFit wasn't even a thing, no. there was no F4, F45, there was no boutique, you either had the choice if you wanted to exercise, train outdoors or in the by gym. yourself or at fitness first, mm. that was pretty much it. And back then, like when I first started boot camp, I had like... 40 or 50 people coming
0: oh wow
1: like, yeah I thought this was like bonanza I was like I'm going to retire by the yeah. time I'm 35 <laughs> well they um, had nowhere
0: else to go I guess
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, but now uh, you know I struggle to get 10 or 15 people and it's because mm. there's so much more of choice which is a great thing I think it's awesome so now people have F45 they have anytime fitness um, you know all those 24 hour gyms yeah. fitness first is still going strong jiu-jitsu, all these martial arts, yoga, bar class. Yeah,
0: Pilates.
1: Pilates. Yeah, it's all happening. All these boutique gyms that are amazing.
0: And then all the other boot camps.
1: Yeah, let's not talk about those. Oh, okay, sorry.
0: Sore spot, sore spot.
1: Yeah. Uh, And then it's just, yeah, there's more PT. So I guess the landscape's changed. So people have more choice, uh, which is only a positive thing, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, And people just... And I think this is a consequence of social media. People are inspiring others to be healthy.
0: Yeah, which is great. But what, what effect do you think social media has had on the industry? And has it all been positive? Because I feel like there's a lot of people in the industry who have lots of followers and maybe do not have the experience or the credibility behind them that some of the other people do who don't necessarily have that exposure.
1: Yeah, there certainly are people that have got a following as a consequence of being super hot or having great abs, and, but that doesn't necessarily say that they're a good or bad trainer. Yeah. But I I think if you asked every PT or coach or whatever um, why they post a picture of their workout, what they're trying to achieve, I reckon 99 times out of 100, they'll say, I want to inspire.
0: Yeah.
1: I want to help someone, which is a great motivation. But I'll challenge that. And I had this conversation with another PT who was in total agreement. And maybe it's just him and I that agree on this, but... If you're posting a photo of you looking ripped because you you work hard, and I'm not discrediting discrediting that, but your workout involved a thousand deadlifts, a thousand wall balls, you know, I squatted this many times.
0: Did you see my but, post from this morning? Oh
1: fuck, <laughs> mate! How many downward dogs you did? Yeah. I I worry that. Debbie from Dubbo because she's always my reference point (laughs) (laughs) you'll have to meet her I worry that that isn't inspiring it's actually uh, intimidating
0: yeah agreed
1: and so for me that's the person I want to positively influence and so I worry that because I'm I'm friends with and following a follower of many people in the fitness industry Um. I know them all personally and they're fantastic people but the posts they put up are inspiring for the top, Like it's not even 1% yeah. of, of people in Australia. Yeah. It's not even, it's a fraction of a percent. It's the people who are already conditioned, who are already fit. Like, those are the people that it's inspiring to. They're like, oh, fuck, he does that. It becomes like the com- the competitive edge yeah. comes in they, and they want to, like, I'm sure that it's unbeknownst to them they wouldn't they'd feel like they're inspiring and i might be wrong but i reckon it would be for debbie from dubbo who's looking over the fence wants to try some fitness wants to get into it would see people squatting and sweating
0: yeah and i, I reckon just it would be quite confronting
1: the because yeah. there's this like phenomenon and it is a phenomenon of of women Getting strong, and I love it. I think it's the sexiest thing. Uh, a woman who you know has has big, strong legs like that's my thing. I, I want. I think you know I'm attracted to that. But you, half of my Instagram feed is these these women who you know can arguably lift more than me. Um, but I'm not sure that that's inspiring for Debbie. Debbie from Dubbo. Yeah. Yeah, and that's who I worry about. Yeah, who, I love her
0: I love Debbie too you have really grown to love her over
1: yeah, the course you do, of this you do podcast time. I hope yeah. her kids
0: are well too
1: yeah, I, yeah. I, um, I'll, pass on, I'll pass on your regards
0: please, please do um, <laughs> so what do you think then about um, people who are interested in getting into the industry do you think do you think that it's become so saturated now that from a business perspective it's it's quite hard to build a business?
1: Um uh, do you yeah, think there's still I think room? So. I, 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 if we're not saturated, we're getting close. Mm. And then the people that, that rise to the top or would get the most amount of inquiries, whether you can retain the inquiries is another thing. But the, like, the people that would would attract the most attention are the people that are invested the most in socials and making little videos. And yeah. so they make it enticing. And not everyone has the resources to or the skills to to feed that machinery so it's almost like if you have a following and you're you're good at instagram you know that you know i see it time and time again
0: if you have a passion and you know you feel like your purpose is to help people and teach them and you know show them a healthy way of living then you know i wouldn't want to turn people off the industry but i guess it's just well i don't know maybe we maybe we live in a bubble scotty i mean it is very saturated here but there's parts of regional Australia where it's not so saturated, right?
1: Yeah. But but I think, and, the, and I've learned this in the last five or six years, that, and that, that's all part of my message, that, is that you can affect someone's health and well-being so much more by nutrition and encouraging them to cook. You can prescribe as many squats and as many push-ups as you like. But if they're still eating shit, then, you know, you're going nowhere. You're treading water. That was my motivation to go on the show. To, go, to encourage people to, you know, here's a healthy dish. It was pretty easy to do. Tastes great. It's not bland. Like we have this attachment to healthy food being oh, bland, it's you know, quite alfalfa the sprouts and mung, mung beans. But yeah, <laughs> there is to, nothing mung- wrong
0: with mung beans scalding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it's it's the opposite to that. Like yeah. there's heaps of flavor. Um, so.
0: Heaps of flavor. And also, I think that, you know, the health. The the spectrum of health is shifting a little bit where people aren't focusing so much on weight loss and, you know, having a certain body type as they are wanting to have energy and have good brain function and feel good and good skin and healthy nails. And, you know, all of that sort of stuff is sort of coming back into the conversation, which is really nice.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know how far spread that, that conversation is. Oh,
0: you think that's... <laughs> Back in the bubble,
1: yeah. I think it might be indicative in to. Bubble, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: well, it'd be nice to spread that conversation a little bit more.
1: Well, well, yeah. Th- this is a classic example. When I found this fucking alarming, I I exhibited at the fitness show for four days yeah. a couple of weeks ago when it was on in Sydney. I was the only person doing cooking demonstrations, and I'm nice. grateful that. I had that opportunity but I was like why is no one there, there was some speakers on nutrition but I was the only one giving a practical demonstration on how to make a yummy breakfast, dinner, whatever Yeah, and I was like what, what? and I and I find that that is probably a reflection of, of where we're at I think we're heading in the right direction for sure but in in, in that context I'm the only person talking about Cooking, mm. and you you can be healthy. You can be strong. You can be lean, free of you know disease, ill health from food alone. You don't have to do push-ups and squats and hill sprints. You don't have to do those. Those are uh, once you've got the foundation of mm. good nutrition, lots of rest, lots of sleep, hydration. Then I believe you have the opportunity to reach for optimal health. But you can have pretty good health from just good food. That alone will get you, you know, 80% there. And then with a combination of training, a few hacks here and there and modifying your, your, your diet to really sort of suit with who you are and the,
0: your lifestyle, uh, yeah. Mm.
1: Then, then you can take it to, to optimal health. But we kind of, we have this attachment to being healthy and lean to fitness. Yeah. And so, as long as that is present in the conversation, it's going to be. My job is is more challenging, I guess, um, because we do, we don't talk about like most most trainers have got a, a cert three and a cert four, which is great, but there's not much discussion on nutrition. Um, within
0: those within those certificates, they don't teach yeah. you guys
1: that. No. Yeah, interesting. I, I, th- I think th- it, it is a. I might be wrong. It's been a number of years, but it, it is a subject, but. Like we, as I said, like most PTs would put their hand up for, um, you know, the reason they're in the job that they are, they want to inspire and they want to help others and I think that's a commendable starting point but we can do that to the best of our ability before we load up the squat rack, we say, okay, what are you eating, do you cook much at home, you know, do you cook for the family, where do you do your shopping like there's all these questions you can ask before because with the right nutrition your training excels anyway. So, you know, we're we're this amazing, incredible organism. We just need to put the right food in. And we sort of got so far off track over the last sixty five years. Um and our modern diet is just Well, it's you know, all it about hasn't...
0: convenience, the modern diet, yeah. is Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it really hasn't served us well no so the confidence the conversation needs to be about stepping away from that and i'm not saying you do it overnight but stepping away from that and then and embracing real food and, and with that comes a number of challenges and ones that i daily try and overcome for people and that they're again healthy food is bland and i can't afford it you know that's that's a big obstacle for people and it's a very real Um, Challenge, You know, you can walk into McDonald's and get a burger, fries and milkshake for three bucks. To say that you're going to go real food grocery shopping and, you know, your your fucking broccoli costs more than three bucks and that's just the size to go with your protein and go with your other veggies. Like, it's a very tangible obstacle for people. Absolutely. But then you you have to look at it from a uh, holistic perspective. You know, we're here for 75, 80 years. You want to be as healthy as you can be for as long as possible. So you need to start thinking about that scenario, not trying to save a buck today. You want to save, you know, you be in the best possible position for as long as you can. So you need to start ditching, um, yeah, the processed foods and the refined foods. But, you know, it's a, it's a very, very real challenge for people and there's a number of people in the industry that are are putting out an amazing message Um, and that's the beautiful thing of social media that people are going to see this recurring message um, and because it's a recurring message and because these people have followers and credibility hopefully things will start to stick
0: Yeah, I think so too Um, I think think the best message that people can get about healthy eating is that it is absolutely 100% not about deprivation and if anything it's quite the opposite because if you're eating all of the right foods and nourishing your body, then you fill up on them and you don't want to eat anymore.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you if you go down the track of trying to save money, having your three dollar McDonald's meal, you will be hungry.
0: Yeah, within the hour. Yeah, and so you've got absolutely. to eat again.
1: So, you know, that that's definitely it, uh, another part of the equation. If you're feeding your body with, you know, good fats and um, lots of fiber then then you're gonna sort of be fuller for longer um and so you you know less trips to the grocery store less trips to the fridge at home and so it all kind of feeds that that bigger picture but it's just getting people out of the mindset that we've had for a long long time
0: so what's your plan going forward what are you what do you hope to achieve over the next few years in this arena
1: i, I actually don't know what it looks like geordie um i'm um, Super excited to, to work with the brands that I do currently because uh, we all share a very, very similar message and I guess that's why you know the synergy that we have is the reason we'll work together. So I work with Thrive and Whirlpool and Cune Salmon and, and Good Bones and it's all about real food. It's all about encouraging people to cook more at home. <sighs> um, I don't know what the future looks like, but I'm learning that I have a message, but I also have limitations on the audience I can access and the knowledge I have and the expertise I have. So I'm I'm aligning with people who have similar values but different skill sets and different credibility. Um, for example, I'm, I've teamed up with a guy called Cliff Harvey who's the one of the world's leading researchers in ketosis. I've also been working with a mum of three kids and one of the kids is... Uh, on the spectrum for autism yeah, and we've had this sort of discussion dialogue online for I don't know maybe 5 or 6 months and I've suggested uh, certain things and certain supplements that might help to improve and we've sort of of got this understanding of um, give it a go, what have you got to lose and so she has over the last 5 or 6 months seen improvements in all of his symptoms to the point where she went on holiday for the first time ever because he wasn't as anxious, yeah, wow. the family weren't as anxious, the family weren't as stressed. He's now moved from a segregated sort of special needs class. He's now integrated into inverted commas normal class, and so that's great for his self esteem and confidence. So all all these areas of his life have improved, which has ripples within the family.
0: Yeah, or from changing diet.
1: Yeah, changing changing diet, changing you know adjusting your your macros and a a supplement here and there Mm. like it's not groundbreaking stuff but it's information that maybe not every parent or grandparent with kids on the spectrum might have access to so so i've been having this discussion with her and then i just got and i was lucky enough to be uh, this cliff harvey the the researcher reached out to me and said you know i love what you're doing he's in new zealand i love what you're doing over there is there any way that we can collaborate and i and i was i was i was kind of blown away that um someone of his standing would reach out and, yeah. and ask to, to work together and then i just had this this brain wave like i said to this the, the the mother of the kid i said how the information you've you've sourced from me or 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 other sources like how common is that knowledge or information amongst your community of uh. of of kids with autism she's like oh you'd, you'd be surprised and you'd probably be alarmed that it's not common knowledge i'm mm. like well fuck that like something needs to be done so i'm putting together an event
0: um
1: and a an, a, an e-book so cliff and i are gonna uh, write an e-book um the way i see it is the cliff the researcher is the is the why he's why a certain diet is beneficial here's the evidence here's the stats here's the supporting yeah here's the supporting evidence I'm the how, so I'm the application. This is how you make nourishing breakfast, lunch and dinners and packed lunches. And the mother is the real life story. You know, we can talk to the cows come home, but until you have real life story, then it becomes very real for, for other people yeah, in a similar situation. how they
0: connect. Absolutely.
1: Cliff and I are writing a, a book together Great. that will uh, sit alongside these um, events that we'll do, and I hope to make it into a bit of a roadshow. Again, probably going more, sure, there has value in, in going to major cities, but getting information to more regional places that I really don't have access to the information that we do in in the big smoke. Not to sound like an arrogant dick, but <laughs> I think that's probably it's the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then again, with Cliff's help, we're just going to remodel, repackage the proposition and And speak to the Alzheimer community, remodel, repackage, speak to autoimmune um, community, obesity, and slowly you start to um, all I want to do is plant seeds for people, see that there's an alternative way to health, yeah, not through medication, uh, not necessarily through fitness, but through through diet and through and that comes through cooking with real food
0: I love it I love it and I think you know it's 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 very important that everybody's you know eating well and looking after their general well-being but there really is so much room in the space of um, diseases and disorders to see an improvement just by changing the foods that you're eating
1: yeah I, I, I think it's it's pretty powerful yeah um and and the lady that I've you know, had the good fortune to to help in some re- regards. When I suggested doing an event, she said, "Oh, well, look, you might get some resistance. You might get you know." From
0: the autism community?
1: Yeah, because most people are accepting of the of the current dogma, like the yeah. current like convention. So, uh, uh, you know, the Western medical sort of uh, protocol so saying that you can you can help your son or daughter by these very simple adaptations to your to your cooking regime or your or your macros might might present some resistance so just be aware of that she said sort of be warned and and I'm like well I you know I've come across resistance in the past but my argument to those people are what Actually, have you got to lose? Like, if you make changes to your child's diet, worst case scenario, you get no improvements Does across the board. Yeah. yeah, worst case scenario. Best case scenario is that they become more more social, less agitated, less anxious. Um, you know, it improves it uh, uh, in the classroom. Like, you know, I'm not saying it's the the magic bullet or the or the cure, but I'm saying there's an opportunity that you'll see improvements in one or more symptoms and that's got to be a win, right? Yeah. Um, and as I say, you just in my vision is to kind of have that approach to different ailments and different conditions, whether it's diabetes or autism or Alzheimer's. Uh, the message is very similar and I think having someone like Cliff on board is a pretty powerful proposition. To have the why, the how, and um, in the case of the autism, have the, have the real life experience. And it wouldn't be hard to get real life experience for, in each of those sort of conditions, whether it's Alzheimer's or diabetes. Um, and that in itself, I think, is a pretty compelling proposition in a nutshell.
0: <laughs> well it all sounds amazing i mean we have been speaking for a really long time
1: have you have you got bored judy
0: no i'm not bored at all i'm it's been good it's been so great like i've i've loved hearing all of this stuff about you that i didn't actually know which has just kind of helped shape the human that you are it all makes sense to me now
1: <laughs> well the craziness that's that is a good you. Thing.
0: No, no, it is. It's a good thing. It's a really good thing. So I hear that you are about to start your own podcast series. Can I know. you can you tell us a little bit about that? I, I've
1: I've hijacked your idea.
0: I know, such a um, copycat. No, I know. It, I, I,
1: uh, I guess it's just born out of you know the motivation to get helpful helpful tips and yeah. tricks and knowledge out there to you know.
0: It's a great way I, to do it
1: yeah and yeah. I just think it's a it's very accessible for people mm. um and ho- you know hopefully people tune in but it's i think it's a good platform for me like i'm uh i'm not amazing on camera because I get kinda stressed and so whenever you're on camera um There's normally an agenda and it might be, you know, you've got to talk about something very specific or you've only got three minutes to get your Mm. point across. But as we've seen, we've spoken for an hour and 40 minutes and I could probably go for another couple of hours. (laughs) And I'm hoping that I have that sort of um, with guests that I bring on. Yeah. Um, Because it's when you go a little bit deeper and, you you know, you, you delve below the surface that you get to the crux of, a who that person is, and be what they stand for and their message, uh, and that's when that's when you strike gold. That's when you get little snippets of information that you know, fuck, that's good. You know, I'll make a note of that. Um, and so, I think it's a. I'm very excited uh, to start start a podcast and and really, and and it'll be people in not necessarily my industry. I think having someone like Cliff Harvey on. Or Dom Agostino, or leaders in their field, yeah. and it can be, can be within the health arena or the fitness arena, but not necessarily that prospect. And it's just uh, another. Another channel to kind of get your message out.
0: That's what it is. You've gotta you you've gotta get across all the channels to be able to access a varied
1: number of people. In this day and age, day and age, you can't rely on one avenue. No. It can't just be Instagram or it can't just be a blog or a website. It needs to be all of the know, things. Yeah.
0: It's the only reason I go for a walk in the morning <laughs> is to listen to podcasts. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah it's, kind my
1: of, yeah, it's kind of changed my, um, you know, sometimes I'm in the mood for something lighthearted. I, I listen to Bill Burr and he fucking cracks me up. But other times, you know, I'm receptive to information and, you know, if, it, if it's, you know, there's sometimes where I have to write shit down. Yeah. I think also
0: it gives you access to people you didn't even know existed on the planet, you know. Totally. Yeah.
1: Totally. Like I, I strongly recommend, like, I know we've talked about a few of them, but Joe Rogan, love him or hate him, like he has these phenomenal mm. guests. And we're not talking, you know, Joe, Joe's this comedian who's been around for forever and he has a very high profile in the States, not necessarily here. But he's not getting a listers so he's not getting Matt Damon and fucking no. Angelina Jolie in. He's getting people that will, it's probably from a uh, sort of listen to him enough, he wants to expand his mind so he's getting people in and it could be a historian it could be a psychologist all these different walks of life and different arenas and it's and it's inevitably uh driven to fuel his mind and so if it's fueling his mind it's going to fuel mine and we'll all get something a little bit different from it um so i reckon if you're into like yeah, expanding your mind, which we all should be on some level. Yeah. So yeah. Ch- check him out. It's it's amazing. And and Tim Ferriss is is very similar. He has some phenomenal people on board uh, as guests. Um,
0: Agreed. Do you listen to um, Lewis Howes School of Greatness?
1: No, I oh. should start writing these down you have to text them to me i
0: will i'll text them to you so good if people want to find out more about what you're doing scotty where's the best place for them to go
1: probably yeah instagram scott gooding project same for facebook website as well i'm about to launch another website uh, with a business partner called ali sims called real food instinct
0: ah yes
1: Which, um, and what's
0: that going to be all about?
1: Yeah, I mean, my website is is sharing recipes again that pick those criteria that we talked about healthy, quick, easy, delicious. This will echo that, but it'll be a bit broader in terms of there'll be lots of healthy, inspiring recipes. But there will be a focus on products and people and place. So in my mind, the vision that we have is that it's kind of like concrete playground, one stop shop for food and health. So yes. we kind of, it will have a foot in both um, and maybe a little bit of fitness. So you know, we're going to, we'll have to get you up there. There's a number of podcasts that we're going to feature, but a real, a real celebration First and foremost, is a, it's a food website. So a real celebration of paddock to play and food sovereignty and and healthy food, but not again, not ramming that down people's throats. It's yeah. more about here's a sexy, delicious dish. It just happens to be healthy. Let's not say why it's healthy. Let's just make this shiny and enticing and glittery, and people naturally over time gravitate. You yeah. know. Like a magpie, you know, if you make it shiny, people will will Oh yeah,
0: you had me at glittery. (laughs) I'm there.
1: (laughs) You should see what I'm wearing.
0: Ah sparkles (laughs) (laughs) All right, well thank you so much. This has been a surprising conversation. I've really not surprising that I enjoyed it, but <laughs> Surprising that <laughs> some of the paths we went down—it was good. I love when I love when I can do a podcast episode and I get something out of it that I didn't expect. So thank you. Yeah, my uh, no,
1: it was great. Thanks, Jordy. Thanks for having me on.
0: My pleasure. you enjoyed this episode i'd love if you'd share it with all of your friends and if you haven't already make sure you subscribe to the podcast on itunes to stay up to date with all of the latest episodes and while you're there i'd love if you'd leave me a rating or a review but only if you feel called to Also, the podcast now has a Facebook group, which means you can ask any questions you want, give your feedback, continue the conversation, introduce yourself. I would love to meet you. You can find the link to the Facebook group and everything we spoke about in this episode in the podcast show notes. Until next time, I'm Jordana Levine wishing you an inspirational week.